Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's always a good news story when a veteran player makes it back from a near career-ending injury to once again do his stuff and influence big games. So it was a big deal indeed for Mayo fans and fans of football generally to see Jason Doherty hit three brilliant points in the second half of their draw with Donegal in the first round of the National Football League yesterday. I have some insider knowledge myself, uh, actually, on the sort of lonely work required by Jason Doherty just to get back out onto the field. Would you like to find out more, Ken? I think so. <laughs> That's as much as I could hope for. Hello and welcome to today's Second Happens podcast, by the way. This is the sort of journalistic rigour I apply to my GA work, Ken. Uh, I was walking the dog around Good Council GA pitch here beside the Grand Canal in Dublin 8. Uh, and you've met my dog, uh, Pickles, Ken. Pickles, you know yeah. that she can be fairly energetic. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, she likes to get involved, you know, get her, mm. get her paws dirty. Not the brightest dog. No, no, Ken, uh, I wouldn't argue with you there. I thought she'd be safe enough running around at one end of the field and that she wouldn't bother the young Gale kicking freeze and doing extremely energy-sapping conditioning runs up the other end of the pitch. My confidence in Pickles' good behaviour was... Was, as usual, misplaced. Sadly, yes, misplaced. She tore off at high speed to the other end of the ground and made off with one of the cones marking out the distances for what looked like a Bronco run. Uh, I met it up to the other end of the field, eventually managed to convince Pickles to drop the cone, and only when I went over to apologise to the young athlete in question did I realise that it was, in fact, Mayo's Jason Doherty doing his rehab work after his creasy knee ligament injury last year. Uh, we exchanged pleasantries, uh, gave him a couple of pointers on where I felt his technique needed work. And yeah. then, and again, I hastened to add, I'm, I'm not taking any more than 10% of the credit. You saw the benefits of that off-season work yesterday. I would probably say that his willingness to learn is his greatest asset. Oh, that yeah. humility to just say, what can I learn from you? And it is real humility in, that, in those circumstances. Mm. I mean, that is... That is <laughs> That is genuine humility, you know, to, to turn around and say, well, you know, what, what do you have to offer me? And then actually to take that seriously. Thank you for giving me my cone back, which has been half eaten by your dog. And now, what can you teach me? Hmm. Uh, we'll have Ushi McConville and Paul Flynn on in just a couple of minutes, and we'll be talking about the sad decline 
of the Dublin football team. Where to next for the gang who can't shoot straight, Ken? Uh, That's a serious question. Where to next? Like, what is the future of Gaelic football in our capital city? You know, that's the uh, big question. Can we afford to let to let football wither on the vine in our largest population centre? I don't understand it. I thought that I thought that um, Dublin were so invincible that there was almost no point in paying attention to Gaelic football anymore. When did that no. change? When, when, <laughs> what, 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 what happened? Like, well, was Mayo that, was beat that last, last year? year? Yeah, right. Mayo beat them last year. So that's. I mean, what I think Dublin now needs is a massive cash injection to ensure that the apocalyptic vista of the game going into decline in our largest population centre can be headed off at the pass. I think that's. I think that's important. Yeah, but I mean, is this not like uh, the league? Maliki Clerkin in the Irish Times has an article today headlined, Oh Dublin, where did it all go wrong? So, you know, you're only the league isn't going to, that's not going to pass muster, Ken. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I saw that article by um, Clerkin and he wrote, um, he mentions money in the fifth and the sixth line. <laughs> uh, okay, I see where you're coming from. Still banging that drum, are we? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought, well, look, I actually, I was walking around those those uh, cold streets on Saturday night mm. around uh, around Croke Park, getting the, the smell of fried onions and all that. People, people spilling out of the pubs mm. on the way into, on the way into Croker on, uh, that was Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I thought, well, you know, we're back, you know, but uh, uh, to lose this game, I, I mean, so are we out of the championship now, or, <laughs> or I mean, is, is that the season over now, or, or no, what? no, no, you're you're safe. Um, obviously, like relegation is now staring you in the face. You're bottom of the of the division, rock bottom, uh, rock bottom of the division. Uh-huh. Um, but if you get, you'd have to get relegated again next year. Um, for you to go into the Talchin Cup, which is the you know the bottom half of the All Ireland Championship, you know, the, we just to keep standards up. They they only let the top sixteen teams play for the Sam Maguire from this year, so it would have to take two relegations. So I mean, you're safe for now for like another eighteen months. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, uh, I I think I think losing is part of winning. You know, I mean, and we've we've always known that in Dublin. And uh, you know, if you lose a game in January, uh, oftentimes. Uh, you know, as one of Dublin's favourite sons once said, win Although, or learn. Oftentimes, if you lose a game in January and, and it's Gaelic football, it doesn't really matter all that much. Mm. Um, so it's a question of simply, uh, you know, I've I've got all the faith in the world in Desi Farrell. Oh, do you know? Yeah. It's, it just, it seems a little conditional, you know. Listen, Dublin are going to Tralee to play Kerry next Saturday evening, Ken. I'd mm. watch if I were you. You know, because Sorry, it's evening. people like you giving Desi Farrell an easy ride that's going to let standards drop even further. Well, he's one of our that's own. That's my concern. You know? He's one of our own. So, <laughs> just uh, just a massive thank you to all of our members who again ensured that our two extra live shows in March sold out within minutes last Friday without going on general release. It's going to be some laugh seeing you all again in a few weeks. A lot of people getting together in a stadium going absolutely fucking nuts together. <laughs> and as for all non-members listening, well, I hope you've learned a valuable lesson over the last couple of months because. You, if you don't sign up, you're not going to have much of a chance of getting your hands on these tickets. So it's five euro a month at secondcaptains.com. And the live show news won't stop this week. We'll have another announcement on the World Service in a few days. We'll have another pod out in uh, just a couple of hours. But right now, let's get to the weekend's Gaelic football. Sport is a great thing, Parik, and especially hurling. Our sport, the greatest sport that was ever played by any man. They're getting their award today, mixed with this brilliant blend of youth. 
fire and enthusiasm and so thrilled for them. Clareman, rivals of ours all our lives. But you know, the Cranberries go up around Crow Park. Dolores wanted their own Park. Magic, magic moment for them. Well, it's a highly emotional Oh no, my stomach is burning here, lads, I tell you. We've been so... We've oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Who's going to win it, guys? Limerick. Excuse me? Dowling! Who on your fire? He didn't go to blow the onion bag off the back of the net. He went to place it to the corner. Limerick are on the brink of a historic breakthrough at Crow Park. Limerick better wake up here because Galway are back in the game big time. Proved it to the top of the nest. Is there any end to the drama? Is there any end to the drama, Parry? And Galway are within one of Limerick. It's hard to watch. Oh man, I don't know what to say here. Could he possibly, could he possibly, from two, three metres outside his own 45, the greatest sport that was ever played by any man? That's a massive ask. If you wanted one man in the history of Hurland to hit it for you, you might want it to be Joe Kenning. I think the long wait is over. How long is it against the wait? <laughs> well, since 2007. Well, 1973 is the last time they won. Limerick have it! Limerick are coming away with it! Yeah! If the rest of the world only knew about this sport, this is incredible. Limerick have beaten Galway in 1973. First weekend of the National Football League this weekend, and a first weekend that saw three draws, Armagh on top. And Dublin rock bottom of Division 1, so it seems like a perfect time to talk to Aramaz, Oshie McConville in Dublin with Paul Flynn. Lads, how are we doing? Kieran, how's it going? Good, thanks, Worf. Uh, Saturday evening's game in Crow Park seems like the obvious place to start, Oshie. That must have been a fair bit of fun. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a, you know what, it was a great evening. Um, I decided we'd, we'd travel as a family, the whole crew. Um, so anybody who's got three young kids will realise that, that there's trepidation in that straight away. Um, um, my wife travelled who doesn't really go to football matches um, and uh, I took my mum down as well and we're so glad that we made the effort to go down because it would have been so easy just to sit back and watch it in telly um, it, like I, I know that I, I, I'm well calmed down from Saturday night um, but I, I do think that uh, for all my people there was something um Something a little bit special about it, um, because, um, well, a lot of think I think a lot of people went up there thinking, listen, I really hope we don't get stuffed. Do you know what I mean? I really hope that we can put up, you know, some sort of semblance of a decent performance. Uh, I think people realise that the nuts and bolts of this Armagh team are there, as far as being on a level playing field with, uh, with other teams in Division One. Um, and then it, it just comes down to execution then, I think, for, for Armagh, um, because I think most of the other things are in place. I think there's been a huge amount of work done on how we are structured defensively. Um, but it, but getting, just getting back to the OK, you know, it, as an occasion, um, it, it, was just, it, was just, it was just nice to be there, um, nice to be, it feels, back up with the heavyweights, um, being able to land a few punches, uh, I, I, I think I might have said last night that there was a few dubs telling me that it was January that they, were, they had a lot of players to come back and all those sort of things, um, and and I I wasn't quite sure, you know, was this just like some sort of like a victory that 
you know, we probably wouldn't see again for some time, or was it something that well, you know, and and look at the the great thing is that we have we have Tyrone in the Athletic Grounds next week, completely different setup, completely different game, uh, won't be as expansive, and we won't be able to to play those lovely balls into the full four lane that we were at the weekend. But I <clears throat> I do think, and this may seem strange again to 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 um to other people outside of Armagh. But there was something significant about this month. There really was. Um, because it's taken us a bit of time. The COVID thing probably has held us back. The last thing our man needed last year was to play three Ulster teams in a in a condensed league. I mean, the Ulster teams are fed up with each other. You know what I mean? They're, they're, you know, they're poisoned by it all. Familiarity. Like, I watched even a bit of uh, Tyrone and Mullen. It's just, it's just breathing more and more contempt every week. Um, but it was this was significant. And uh, and this will do that those young lads on that team uh, a power of good, um, with the caveat that, obviously, Dublin were nowhere near where they need to be. Paul, you were very pe- pessimistic about Dublin's chances of winning in Ireland in the next uh, three or four years, I think you said, after their loss to Mayo in last year's All-Ireland semi-final. I thought you were being very pessimistic, but after Saturday night, I'm actually not so sure you weren't completely right. I, um, well, time will tell if I was or not. I talk a lot of nonsense, so I, I can't even remember saying that. <laughs> the, um, we the... weren't going to mention it if you did. <laughs> Do you mind if I just start really quickly and to build on what Oshin said, because I've watched this Armagh team for a number of years waiting for something to happen. Mm. You know, um, really really keen on the group right the way they've been set up I obviously have a, have a lot of I have a lot of time for McGinney uh, I just see him as being not just a, one of the managers that I'd love to have played with but just one of those guys that I often look up to and I spent a lot of t- time talking to him when I was in the GPA and he was just if I ever wanted to be told the truth and no nonsense I often ring him <laughs> and I'd get it and he wouldn't always get the smiling down there as well that's why I avoid him <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't always get the, the, the like the thing I suppose other people might say to because they think it's the right thing to say he just tells you exactly what he thinks and more often than not he's not too far wrong but when you look at the team like they've youth they've hunger and they've like they played with such intent the other night and it is a significant moment Oshin I'm 100% with you there like taking scalps like this no matter what level the opposition are at you as a group can only control what you're what you're doing and you can only set your own targets and objectives. And this would definitely be one of them for them. And we used to similarly set objectives like this when we hadn't won an All-Ireland or won a league or, you know, we're on a journey. That you have to build. And this is a big, big step for them. You think you've got a management team, as I said, with McGinney with experience, but also a, a, a support and act that know how to win and know how to set up teams. So I think that's going to stand to them as they go. But, like, it's 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 tactically, it's it's... They have, have, they play the game the way I believe that the the game needs to be played now, going into the next iteration of what it's going to look like, right? It's the, the the way Dublin played over the last number of years is gone, you know, and we're going to see an evolution now, where you are rock solid at the back, where transitions are going to be absolutely very quick out of the defence, and where the ball going in is going to be varied, you know, it's going to be quick at times diagonal, but it's going to be a little bit more risk taken, you know. I think rather than what we've seen over the last number of years, and you've seen that. And the, the, I do always find that Ulster teams playing against Dublin in the league, the forwards nearly get a new lease of life 
because they don't get what exactly what you said there, Oshin. The the, the the double marking or the you know complete another decommissioning you know by another team you know um like what Murphy would get a lot or what McManus would get a lot and you see Murphy McManus they always play well against Dublin because they just don't get that attention and you see it with Rian O'Neill the other day you know who who had an absolutely magic game of football um so look to start with Armagh I just think that that there's there's so much more there's so much more to come from that group and and Ushin will only be able to answer this as, as better than I will but seeing Tyrone win in All Ireland last year would have absolutely driven driven that group on because I don't think they'll see too much of a gulf between themselves and Tyrone. And now they'll believe that a little bit more. So every little hurdle that they come over, like that happened on Saturday night, will stand to that group, in, in, in my opinion. No, and uh, you've both obviously had a uh, huge experience of working with McGinney, and that is interesting. You know, that it, it has been a real slow burn. And it's not actually something we see all that often in GA management, Oshin. You know, this idea that more often than not, you come in in a blaze of glory and your first year is often the best year, or your second year... But with McGinney, it has just been like a really gradual thing with Armagh where a lot of people have kind of nearly accepted them as like their your second favourite team because everyone really likes watching them play. There's goals in the team and all the rest. But the results keep getting better and better. And this is obviously, as as Paul says, a major marking point on Armagh's journey. I'll tell you what I, what I really liked about Armagh probably just two years and obviously this year, going in with the under-20, so getting a, a bit more of a look at what's happening inside, um, is the, the work that's going on with the next group. You know, the group that's that's coming along that probably uh, physically maybe aren't there yet, um, have come out of under-20s. And let's face it, like a really, really top under-20 will normally, you know, walk into a... Um, into an, an inter county an inter county team or certainly be on the fringes of it, but uh, what I like is that there's another group, you know, walking away in the background there, um, and they are the future, if you like, is that you know that that this is not you know somebody coming in, um, trying to get the most out of the individuals that they have, okay. And with no no substance behind that, so if 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 three players are to retire or you get a few defections or whatever it is, there's another group of lads there who are training along with these guys, um, who are doing the same conditioning as these guys, and uh, and then I think there's there's a proper succession to succession to um, what's going on here. So this doesn't feel. Now, like it's, uh, we need to get the most out of this group in the next fucking six months, or else, you know, this feels as if, you know, we have built something that now is sustainable, and that, um, regardless who goes, one goes or two goes, that we're able to replace them. Um, there's there's a couple of lads there, look at who are, who are obviously you know a step ahead and are going to be really difficult to replace. But but otherwise we've got a we've got a nice group, you know coming after that so this feels like um you can be optimistic about it that you know you that you you do realize that you know being a division one team that that is sustainable picking up a few injuries was the end of the world now it's not the end of the world so um i think that's what geezer probably has built in the last in the last number of years um and i probably he's real he's took good people in around him I think Donnie, I've said this before, he's had a good influence. The lads would say, you know, he's just, 
let's just say he's a more jovial character than Geezer is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's just, he just seems great to, to get, like... great to get these insights so that we'd never have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just a good lad to have about the place and that. And, and, uh, and definitely he's brought, he's brought a lot. Um, and I think I'm uh, thinking a little bit more about it than they have done in the past. I mean, the one thing that, that I would have leveled at them in the last number of years were defensively at times we just we just completely go missing. But I think we've we've addressed that, we've looked at it and, and uh certainly the other night uh was a, an example of a work in progress. Don't think we'll we're the finished article in any way. And uh, I think we'll have staring our test because because to be honest um, Costello and, and Aaron Bourne were probably two of the guys who were moving as well as Amy and the Dubs lost them before half time. They were definitely causing us a little bit of bother. So um yeah, so I, I think <clears throat> as much as you know we've a lot of uh, a lot done, we've we still have a bit more to do. You were very gracious with uh, my first question, Paul, but there's no avoiding it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I just like, I, what what is what is Desi's style of football? Like what is he trying to do with this team? Um, I best answer the question you asked me a second ago. Well, why was I pessimistic when um, mm. the? Um, <laughs> I, I just feel like there's a, there's a net, there was a natural evolution with this group that needed to happen, and I thought after winning the All Ireland the first time, first year around with Desi, you know, was really a carryover if you like. A lot of the main, a lot of the players were still there. They were still playing a similar way. Um, and then, but there was always a rebuild that needed to be done. It was coming. Like there were so many guys in that squad that are over thirty. And over the last number of years, we've probably seen around 10 of them leave, you know. Um, but with Klucko leaving last year, you know, and all the fur there went on and, you know, utilised the Kev Mack and Keanu Sullivan and Philly McMahon this, this last year. You know, they're, they're big characters around the place who drive the standards on a day-to-day basis. You know, and that's just sometimes you think, OK, well, what's going on on the pitch? It, it really, what happens on the pitch is, is, is just... is you know, a byproduct of what happens in the training ground, you know, on, on, on the couple of weeks before a game. And it's them guys who will be driving the standards, Klucko in particular. So I just think that, like, when, when he was leaving, there was going to be a massive void to fill. <clears throat> and um, there was a piece around taking the... When you take the players and the individuals and their skill sets out of that group, there was a need to evolve how they play. You know, the, tactically, as your next question, like, around... I, 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 I firmly believe that they can't try and do the same thing that Jim you know, set us up to do. You know, they have to try uh, to do something differently. And I'll give you an example. Well, I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast before, but initially when Jim came in, we used to, we used to play a lot of kick passing. Um, um, we used to have a lot of turnovers. We used to be much more of a risk-taking team. And it suited me, it suited a couple other guys on the team. Um, then when we start going into this kind of much more of, of a set play, slow, meticulous, finding space... Uh, never suited me and never suited some other players and then these other guys who were the main kind of protagonists for this were the likes of Kieran Kilkenny Fento Smalley Scully and that's why they played so well because they were they really they were the genesis of that system now what we need to see those guys do is to evolve again right and they need to have um, to the next stage of the where football is going which is I believe much more about fast transitions getting the ball up as quickly as possible and then making the call whether it's a it, it's a slower play or a faster play but I think we're going to see a lot more kicking a lot more diagonal balls in and are they the guys to do that yeah they can do it but they just it's not what's it's not what comes automatically to them so that's what needs I think just a a bit of a, they just need to really 
find an, a new identity for the group and build it around the core players. And I know them players are the same guys who played away, I just said, but there's not many others coming through. They don't have the luxury like they had when they had a couple of years ago. There's a, there's, there's, there's a gap coming. Um, and, you know, it'll take time to rebuild that. So I think they need to set up a system that just takes their 10 core players and gets the ball through them as much as you can. And you see so many good teams out there playing that way. You know, um, do, they, do, they, do they have the same consistency that Dublin had over the last decade? No, but they can still win championship games. And that's what Dublin need to really try and focus on now is to be a, um, is to, is, because I just don't see them being a consistent league team for, um, for this year anyway, because there's, there's so much of a build that needs to be done. That to me is really interesting, right? Because what you're talking about there is you won four All-Stars in a row playing the style that you that you that you liked that you preferred to play and Gavin decided that, that you couldn't do that you know in the last couple of years of your career and like you're coming from like you're one of like three players I think to win four all-stars in a row so I mean like you're playing in a standard of that is very very rarefied and he decided that to change the style he had to change the players and I'm just interested to hear what you think Desi has to do because that's a big call. It's a big call to drop someone like Paul Flynn after winning four uh, All-Stars in a row. And it's a very big call for Desi to drop uh, players that we saw making unbelievable mistakes on Saturday night. Like, you know, Kieran Kilkenny, Brian Fenton, John Small, all made, like Brian Howard, all made unbelievable turnovers inside the Armagh 45. And this is the, this is the crux of the matter, really. Gavin w- could afford to drop the players that that uh, the the new system didn't suit. I don't think that Desi Farrell can afford to drop those guys unless you know there's there there are, there's a lot of really good footballers bubbling underneath the surface in this Dublin panel, and I don't think that that's the case. Yeah, I think you've answered the question yourself there, Morph. Like I, the the. the um what kept me on my toes, or any player, just just you, like I, I can speak for myself, but like, or any player of my kind of generation, um, was the fact that you knew if you underperformed, either in training or in a game, that there were three or four other guys who could actually slot in and play the next day, and that's what Jim did, did quite often. Like you know, he, he mightn't even always pick the most obvious person to play in 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 space if you weren't performing. Someone else might come in, and you're saying, "Holy shit!" Like there's actually two guys who could take my place. So you let you were, and he did things like that strategically. He thought about everything that he did, which just always kept you bubbling underneath, kept you kind of like on your toes, and really wanting to get back and hit the ground running, and um, mind your mind your place, and perform. They doesn't that luxury's not there. And what happens when that's not there is mistakes like what happened the other day. And you can you can. You can kind of tell yourself you're up for it and you're hungry and you're you, you know but that just that's only the tiny little things that happen in the game when you really know if you are up for it or if you've got the right attitude going into a game and your attitude is dictated by your environment and if you're not really being tested on a week-to-week basis your standards are just kind of slipping a little bit you can be a little bit ratty you can give out you're just not keeping things right ticking at the right level and that's then what, what you see on Saturday when you're under pressure you kind of you, 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 you respond in a more negative manner than a, than a positive manner and that's not typify, typical what we would see with, with this Dublin team so it's a little bit alarming um, I would put in the caveat that like it is the first league game and I felt this was a massive banana skin going into it because you think about the 
like position that Armagh were in, all the good things that we just said a minute ago, like they really would have been targeting this game. They would have been targeting every game in the league in Division One because they want to stay up there. They want to be at that level. Um, and so you have to kind of hit the ground running. Uh, so, and they probably have a couple of weeks more training under their belt. And at the start of the league, you do kind of sometimes get that. But not taking anything away from it, Dublin didn't. This isn't characteristic of Dublin. They haven't been like this in any league game. Never being showed up like this. So, um, yeah, there are some alarm bells, but not. It's not over yet. Put it that way, Morph. I think there's. A, I think Morph. There, Morph. There's a. There's a trust thing that has to happen there with, with Dublin. You have to trust those those players that's around them. That's difficult if you haven't played along with each other that much. Uh, I think if you're a, if you're a an established, um, experienced player in that squad, you want to lead from the front, uh, and sometimes when you're trying to do that, you may be trying to do a little bit too much. You're trying a little bit too hard. You're doing things that's maybe not just in your wheelhouse, and <clears throat> when that starts to happen, it starts to unravel a little bit, and. Uh, and and there was enough, even just you know what, uh, you know, little passages of play as far as Dublin's concerned. That you know this it can be it can be rectified. Um, is Tralee the best place to go and try and rectify that after the the way they played yesterday? Wow, that's some that's one that's like that. At least, look, it's it's a serious game to look forward to uh, next week because. I think both teams will be very displeased with what went on at the weekend in the first game. But hey, if you look back on the history of uh, the National League, you look at some of the results, there is some freakish, freakish results in the first round of the of the National League and then things tend to uh, level themselves out. So um, it'll just be interesting to see. I mean, seven games in nine weeks, we're going to see a lot of players from all squads, you know, some some teams only have two. Some teams only have two weeks before they head into championship. I know Kerry and and Cork and that will have five, but um, you know, just for 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 teams who are playing seven games in nine weeks, two weeks preparation for championship, it's going to take everybody um moving in the in this in the same direction in order to. Uh, to have a very successful season, so it's definitely early yeah, days. And that Dublin Kerry game is on um, uh, RT, I think, next Saturday evening at seven o'clock. A quick question about Rian Ushin, uh, who was playing in Crow Park for the first time. I was just wondering, does he come to you with questions about stuff like that? Uh, you know, kicking freeze into the hill, uh, that sort of thing. Has uh, does he lean on you, or is he, or has he now decided that actually I'm a lot better than this chump? I've learned all I can. Uh, I would say that he doesn't come. Uh, he doesn't come to me. I would love to take some sort of credit for his performance. No, he doesn't. He doesn't really come to me with uh, with questions like that. <clears throat> he's uh, he's quite competent in, in what he's trying to do. Uh, he's maturing unbelievably quickly. Um, his le- the level of performance and his consistency is uh, is you know is is right up there. I, I, I suppose if I was going to compare him to a player. Uh, I would compare uh, consistency wise in the last twelve months. I compare them to Murphy, and they don't play uh, too dissimilarly in that uh, Rain's been uh, you know maybe out of the game at at times, but he just keeps walking. He get a turnover. He do something like that, and and that for me is maturity. Um, I, when he probably when he was a little bit younger, he had the tendency maybe if he was getting too much close attention to to lash out, and obviously that's from the other side of of the family. 
um, from his dad's <laughs> side. But uh, he he's maturing. He's maturing all the time. But does he come to me and ask me for advice? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I don't. And, and I wouldn't try and give him any advice either. Yeah, I hear that he's muscling in on your on your mother's favoritism as well. You you were the, you were her favorite for a long number of years. But I'm hearing that. He's uh, he's moving in. Uh, he's doing all the right he didn't things. Take her to, he didn't take her to Crow Park on Saturday night, though. No, that's <laughs> true. Uh, uh, Kerry were so bad in that second half against Kildare uh, yesterday, Oshin. Uh And you know, it's it's kind of weird. We can focus on Dublin, and you know, Dublin get kind of this microscopic investigation into you know the fact that things aren't changing under Desi and all the rest, and you know, some of the stuff that we saw last year is is still there this year, but. You know, I would say this Kerry team get taken down to their opponent's level very, very easily, and that's pretty much what happened against Kildare yesterday as well. Um, I think Kerry have a lot of of a good few problems. Um, David Clifford is a phenomenal player, but if you can't get the ball in his hands, then um, they seem to they seem to really struggle, especially more when when things aren't going well for them. You know, when they're they're just trying to eke out one score or manufacture a free. They weren't even capable of doing that uh, yesterday. Midfield is a serious problem for them. I know that'll be that'll probably be a much-changed midfield this week when the two lads come back. But um, And you still have David Moore down the lane maybe as well. But um, I thought they struggled in a lot of areas. Uh, a little bit of confusion. So maybe that change that, you know, is... is um, in the often or is happening or uh, that they are trying to do at the minute is there's some more caught between what they were doing last year and maybe this year, um, but uh, it, it it wasn't it wasn't great, and you know what the you know what the big thing for me is I think we're three we're three United fans are we yes yeah so so like I remember when the aura started to slip or. Um, when Old Trafford stopped becoming the fortress that it once was and that you booked your tickets for flights for Manchester and you thought, is it going to be one, two, three, you know, four? How many are we going to score? And all of a sudden you're going over and you're getting beat by Derby or somebody. And uh, <laughs> and I think the, the, the thing with, you know, the dubs the other night and Kerry not, you know, going great... I, Teams at the weekend in Division One in particular, I've got a lot of oxygen and uh, a lot of reasons to to keep going and doing what they're doing. Um, and that this could be a phenomenal league, but also um, a very good championship. So, uh, but Kerry, Kerry were, were very very poor, um, and I think that's that's you know adds even more intrigue to what's happening at the weekend. But um, like there was nothing really different. Like like if this was you know. Uh, Peter Keane's team they'd have ripped them to shreds already um, but there was nothing different as the, you know for what I seen the other night except for uh, they have the smallest half forward lane in, 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 in inter-county football at the minute so uh, there's there's lots of things that they that they can improve on Sean O'Shea uh, Sean O'Shea in the middle of the field is a no for me uh, I think Peter Keane actually used him better last year when he played him between 11 and 14 at times so uh, so there's plenty of problems um, and I don't see any instant solutions but I do think obviously first game they'll improve and all that but uh, wow it gives it gives the rest of the teams a, 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 a huge boost when you see what happened to the two big guns at the weekend 
Yeah, that's it, Paul. Because, I mean, you know, Division 1 has been pretty much a closed shop for six teams. But it's the two teams that, you know, are relatively inexperienced at this level that defeated Dublin and drew with Kerry, uh, Kildare and Armagh. And that's what makes this really interesting. When you look at the results of the other two games, which were also draws, and, you know, you, you were in 2019, like what money would you have got on Dublin and Kerry you know, just splitting the next 10 or 12 All-Irelands between them. It just looked like it was going to be a duopoly for the for the next decade. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at an unbelievably even Division 1, uh, whether that's Kildare playing, you know, kind of beyond their, beyond our, our uh, perceived ceiling for them, or you look at the Mayo-Donegal-Tyrone-Monaghan games, which are all just unbelievably tight games. I sometimes kind of have... Are we missing something here? Like, <laughs> like it's the thirty first of January, right? And we're like, there's big calls being made about what's happening for the rest of the year. Not just us, like even like any kind of chat I've had with people because I think there's a pent up demand. People wanted this weekend of football, right? I don't know whether that's that's feeding into mm. this or not, but because there was nothing else on the bloody TV yesterday other than the GAA, so we all watched every game. So we know every little sinew of every team's performance. It's the first game of the league. Guys are building their fitness. They're trying one or two little things. They're trying to tweak systems. I want, like let's not read too much into things before we we go further. However, when I did watch the the, the Kerry and, and Kildare game, I did see a lot of the same kind of things. I did see a little bit more of an emphasis on the offensive structure, which is something that maybe I would have been a bit critical of them last year. It wasn't always perfect, but there was an emphasis on it, and that's all you want to see is a bit of intent this time of year. They can they can. You know, build on it as the league develops. The same things apply with, with regards to Kerry in relation to playing against a swarm defence or playing in tight, um, a tight pitch or, you know, uh, but but let's let's call it a compact area. They they struggle to break it down and they struggle to get as what she'd say Clifford and the key shooters on the ball. And what I think they need to be focusing on um, is spacing. You know, there's a lot of good basketball people down there who who who'll understand the concept of trying to create space in tight areas. And they just don't seem to understand it that well. What they did a lot of yesterday, if you watch back the game in the second half and they didn't score for around 20 minutes, is they went laterally across the pitch back and forth, back and forth, at around a 45-metre line. And what they really need to do is they need to to really to really create space on one side of the pitch. You have to probe one the other side. And what they weren't doing is getting the ball into one corner, maybe on the right-hand side of the pitch, really with a bit of intent looking to probe and if it's not on, then recycle it and get the ball back across and let the other side of the pitch as quick as they could. And that will create a sh- an opportunity to take someone on, a one-on-one. That's all you're really looking for. Clifford, if he gets anybody one-on-one, he's going to take him on and he's going to get a shot off. It's the 1v2s he doesn't fancy himself. you know, And that's what you're trying to create. And they're just not seeming to get that yet. But as I said, it's early doors. When they analyse that, I'm sure they'll see that they just kind of went back and forth. They didn't probe at all. They didn't have any runners um, trying to break the line, so but give them a give them a bit of time. What I did, what I would be, I would be fearful of Dublin going down there, down there this this weekend. However, because what what I see is in the first half, um, you know when they do have space, they're they're going to be dangerous, right? We all know that, and they could get a bit of space against Dublin because just they haven't got their personnel there. They haven't got, um, they're missing a good few players. So I think they could expose them, and. Even when we were in the peak of our powers, if we went down to Killarney or we went down to Tralee, um, we, were, we weren't, we, we, I can count on one hand the number of results we got down there. So I think that Dublin are going to be under pressure on Saturday night. I think you're going to see a much better improved Kerry team and 
maybe improve Dublin, but they're not going to be able to get up to that level, I don't think, um, in, in a couple of days with the personnel they have. Because Kerry, you know, it's a very strong team out. You know, if you look at the personnel they had, like obviously they have a few guys to come in, but there's a lot of um, the players that are on that team there who will be starting the championship in a couple of months' time. Yeah, and I, I, I actually, I, I get 100% uh, this idea that we're all getting a bit excited, but I think there is there is just like that pent-up thing of Dublin having dominated for so long that weakness at the top means everyone... I mean, listen... You know, I'm excited. I'm a Galway fan and we held Mead scoreless for 45 minutes. So I, even I'm feeling good this Monday morning. I think that'll do for... And that's okay. But, but, like, so, but, but just to go back, the, the importance of the league, I'm not in any way un, underestimating it, right? We, 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 I think we, we, we won maybe four leagues in a row um, with, with Dublin and we, we put a massive emphasis on it because it does lead to, you know, you're building, you're building uh, into the season. And this year, you know, it's much more compressed. So you do need to have a good league. Look what Mayo have done over the last number of years. Like they never had an emphasis on the league, and two years ago they won it. Last year, last year did they um, get to the league final? Had a good shift in the league anyway, I believe. They they did, and, and yesterday again they had a strong team out and they put in a big shift against Donegal, and looked like they were getting stronger as the game went on. So the league is important. You know, I'm not saying I'm not trying to underestimate. I'm just saying that let's watch the trends over the next couple of weeks before we make all our decisions. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Just a look at the calendar should be enough to cancel. <laughs> not me, not me, but should be able to cancel some people down. Uh, Ushin, uh, Paul, thanks a million, and we'll uh, chat to you soon. Fair play, thanks, Paul. Then he is my second captain. Second captain. That's uh-huh. the humorous competition. I saw that. Important men for my selection. What is it all about? There's no telling it's a peak. I love me county. It's a dump. We're going to do it. Very interesting first round of the NFL in Ireland, but what about the American NFL, Ken? You were watching again last night. This is playoff football. I was. Patrick Mahomes, not for me. Now, I know Owen was revealing private correspondence from you last week about your various NFL hot takes, which I thought was journalistically unsound. Uh, I would never do that. But you were unsparing in your analysis of the young Kansas City Chiefs quarterback who had a fairly rocky second half in overtime yesterday. Let's actually hear a little bit of that right now. Second and goal. Mahomes still has it. After a great fake, now being chased. He's in trouble, and he's tripped up back at the eight-yard line. Hubbard. He's got protection. Too much time. You can't do that. All the way back to the 21. Now they chase him. Spins around, and the ball's out. It was recovered, though, by Tooney. It was Hubbard who forced it, and now you've got to make a longer field goal. From 44 yards, Butker. Can he do it again? Can he tie it in regulation? And yes, he can! Lewis Phillips dropped a very similar chance at a pick in the next play. Montana beat him with a touchdown pass to Taylor. And now they go deep down the field, and it is intercepted on the rebound by Bell. On Bell. Oh, he is clobbered, clotheslined at the 45. But they take over the Bengals with the third straight game in the playoffs where they come up with a crucial pick. 
from 31 yards. McPherson. And Cincinnati is heading to the Super Bowl. He called it again, I'm sure. He walked up and he goes, can you believe, coach? We're going to the Super Bowl. And they did it. They beat Mahomes at home. Wow, Joe Burrow. No way. Only two quarterbacks have won an FBS national title game and a Super Bowl. And that's Joe Namath and Joe Montana. And Joe Burrow's trying to be the third. Mahomes, Ken. Well, I didn't know what happened. I didn't understand what happened. Because he started quite well. Yeah, he started like a like a boss, like he a had machine. This, he had this like great a, um, a, a touchdown throwing machine. Yeah, he, there was a great one where he sort of was um, was running around for ages before before eventually, you know, throwing the pass, mm, which, scrambling out of the uh, pocket. Yeah, which I thought was great, and and you think, oh well, I mean, they're, they're going to win easily. Mm. Like this guy is amazing, and then he just completely crumbled. Like I don't, I've I've no idea what happened, but it was like. Uh, he just couldn't do anything right. I mean, yeah. is, is, there, is there any explanation for it? Like, it's just, I, I was kind of looking at it. I was like, what's, what's, going, what's happened to this guy? Like, is it, can, it was, it can was, they it not substitute, can they substitute him or, you know, do they have a, another guy who can come in mm. or like, this is, there's something wrong here. Like, you know, get him out of there. Like, no, <laughs> save but, him the, from himself. But he, yeah, he just kept, he kept, and, and right, right into over. You're thinking, well, look, you've got to overtime now. Surely you're going to do something. But no, he just, oh no, he'll just, uh, he'll he'll make another mess of it. Like you know. So I just thought, mm. I didn't really. Um, I, I, has there been any any explanation for what happened to him? Ah, oh, more more learned minds than I, I'm sure, have come up with a number of um, uh, possibilities. No, I'm at, but you haven't you haven't seen any, read any, no. or. No, I, well, I mean, you listen, you know, you put the quarterback under pressure, Ken. That's usually what happens, you know? If you start yeah. to get a little, get get some hands on the quarterback. Hands on the quarterback. Yeah. The, mm. uh, good things usually start to happen. But it was, I mean, it was just an unbelievable uh, crumbling by one of, the, like, like, you know, the this guy is, you know, he's playoff mustard, yeah. uh, particularly at home. Uh, and so to see Joe Bur- young Joe Burrow, I mean, we thought we'd seen it all with Josh Allen last week, but... Uh, no, it turns out Patrick Mahomes is going to have to pass the Super Bowl around for the next uh, eight or ten years if these young quarterbacks are anything to go by. What age um, is your man Burrow? He's 24, I think. 24. Um, and, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals were the worst team in the NFL two years ago, and they're going to the Super Bowl. They're playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks' time against the LA Rams, not yeah. U.S. Murphs, San Francisco yeah. 49ers. I stayed up for the first half of the Niners game. I think that's as much as you did as well, Ken, was it? I saw it till it was, I think, seventeen, fourteen or something, seventeen, thirteen. Oh, you lasted a lot longer than me then. Yeah, it was probably um, two o'clock. Yeah. But yes, we'll have uh, US Murph a little later in the week. That's about it, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, Owen McDevitt back in the hot seat tomorrow. Start of the Six Nations this week as well. Loads more besides coming up. So hopefully we'll see you then. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Kieran. And thanks for listening. The second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.